Hello and welcome to this episode of the XG Podcast. That's the Expected Goals Podcast. My name's Lawrence O'Shea. I am your host. I'm the head of marketing here at SSG. And we are here to deliver you to your full potential. I'm so excited to be welcoming my guest on today. My guest today is Angela Cripps of The Recruiting Gym, who has worked as a recruiter, but then transitioned over 20 years ago into recruitment training and mentoring. Angela works with individuals and businesses to make sure and ensure and help people fulfill that potential. And I know that that's why you're here today because you want to take things to the next level. So without further ado, let's just kick it off and you can listen to the interview right now. Tell us a little bit about what you do on a sort of a day-to-day basis. So I'm um, the MD of the Recruiting Gym and Connemara UK, both performance Uh, management specialist so we're here to train coach consult um, people within the recruitment industry worldwide to develop them their people and their processes that is very succinct it's almost like you might have said that before (laughs) do you know what I haven't but I really really liked it (laughs) well good job we're recording it you can write that down (laughs) keep in that Um, what 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 would you say is the most What's the best part of your job? Well, it was interesting. I, I, I had an interview recently and we worked out that my superpower, as it were, yeah. is, is developing people. And this came right from when I was a child. They sort of take you back to say, OK, what were you like as a child and what did you enjoy? And the thing that sticks out from my childhood, and I was even doing it again at the weekend, was getting tadpoles, was getting caterpillars, was getting anything that I could help to grow and develop <laughs> and turn into something else. I spent my whole childhood gathering all these things and having them in propagators and everything in my bedroom. The amount of frogs that I lost in my bedroom <laughs> that disappeared. And suddenly this realisation came about, that's, that's who I am, that's what I've always been. It's taken these sort of raw materials, as it were, these, yeah. these little new starters, and and developing them over time into what they could potentially be so yes the the moths the caterpillars the the frogs that that was me and and I'm still doing it that's so just that kind of that's that sort of transformative moment is is where the payoff is I I spent about it must have been an hour I got caught on Facebook at the weekend watching caterpillars turning into moths (laughs) and I realized afterwards and they were the most beautiful beings yeah Um, yeah so yeah that's I'm still there (laughs) well no no I mean I mean I think that often kind of uh, I mean when we were speaking earlier you, you mentioned about how it's interesting to see um how childhood and and people's experiences in childhood shapes what they go on to do and um and and who they are as an adult so um yeah no that's that's (laughs) i love that um but i suppose you know you've got that and then but you you mainly focus what i would i be right in saying in the recruitment industry 
Yeah, it is 100%. Well, no, actually, I will take that back. I'm working with the Church of Sweden at the moment. That came through um, a growth accelerator program about six, seven years ago with the government. Uh, over 90%, maybe 95% are recruiters mm. or internal recruitment teams in large companies, so like B Sky B, Group Arma. Um, these, these big companies have got 20, 30,000 staff. They have big internal recruitment teams, so we work with them as well. Mace People, a uh, construction company. They were the people that got me started working all over the world, actually, because they had teams in Dubai and Hong Kong and asked me to train them there as well. I was working with them in London. I was like, yeah, I can do that. And that was yeah. six years ago, and that started me on my trek of working all over the world. So, yes, thank you. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and did you kind of find yourself working in the recruitment sector sort of by by chance or was it a sort of a, a, a conscious thing okay that's where the people are that's where the opportunity is no no like many of us I mean it's 32 years now in a couple of weeks um I had been working for Blue Arrow while doing my A-levels I had six jobs while I was doing my A-levels actually so I've always been a worker and I went to Blue Arrow after I'd been a financial advisor for a couple of years so it wasn't wasn't my first job out of uh, school um, been self-employed, doing sales, went into Blue Air and said, okay, find me some jobs over the summer while I'm thinking about what I want to do, but if you can help me find a job as well, as long as it's not sales, that's all I'm interested in. <laughs> I don't want to do sales anymore. Um, and I got out of there three hours later. And after wow. seven hours of interviews, uh, ended up being a recruitment consultant. And uh, yeah, so I was a sales job, really. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't match me perfectly but hey ho 32 years later i'm still here loving it yeah i suppose you know in the end that's that's soft, sometimes the way it works i mean even if the first you kind of your first throw of the dice and exactly what you need it kind of you know a combination of just experience and and you know your own self um just going through life you you eventually do mold a a role i suppose that just fits right um hopefully, hopefully that's icky guy isn't it I, we, we we talk about that a lot in the yeah. recruiting gym don't if you've come across icky guy this, this japanese no. premise so there's sort of think of a venn diagram but with four circles okay instead of the three and icky guy is yeah what what are you good at because uh. you, you probably enjoy that um what's your passion because they're not necessarily the same so think of what your passion is what you're good at what the world needs <laughs> and is anyone going to pay for it? Will they pay for it? <laughs> you can combine all four in the middle of Zicky Guy. So that's your, you're doing something oh, that right. you love, that you're good at, that people will pay you for and they need it as well. So you get that sense of worth. So, yeah, that's Zicky Guy. That's what I we're like aiming for. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to dig that out because that sounds uh, – I'm all about that kind of, you know, taking what could be a very convoluted and complicated – concept and and actually distilling it down into those you know that very visual demonstration of exactly what it all means and i, I think i you know i love that icky guy you say icky guy yeah so in the working world that that's where you're aiming for yeah that's what we want Bit of no, i will no make sure today. i'll make sure that we put a little link to that in the notes yeah. um so we've, we've kind of spoke about the, the best bits of what you do. What is the most difficult thing about what you do? What's, what, what do you find most challenging? Oh, I guess there's a few challenging things, isn't there? Um, 
frustrating challenging is when people aren't utilizing their, their full skill set. Mm-hmm. I can see it. Uh, mm. Maybe they're being lazy. <laughs> maybe they're not seeing it for themselves. Could be a mindset thing. We've been talking about that this morning on our daily workout, that positive mindset, because uh, today, unfortunately, I know this will go out later, is the day yes. after that fateful Sunday night. <laughs> it it <laughs> is. We're all feeling jaded. A little bit. So positive mindset. Um, and yeah, if, if people aren't in that frame and they think they can't do it, that that's the frustration, really. Whereas the, the wonderful side is, of course, people taking what we do, learning, developing, putting it into practice and it working for them straight away. That's not always going to happen, though, is it? So it's about that tenacity to stick with it um, and keep trying and maybe adapting slightly to your own personality uh, to make sure that things work. But but the stuff that we train, the stuff that we do, we do ourselves as well. Uh, obviously, we're, we're still a sales company. We're selling to recruiters who are quite fickle <laughs> in that sense <laughs> and definitely want to know the money side of it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's important that people do get to put it into practice and get to utilize it and get support from their manager. That's probably one of the other frustrating bits as well. It's when we don't hear from the manager, we, we don't hear. So we, we tend to send them quite a lot of updates as to this is where they've got to, this is what they're doing. Um, mm. Here's where they are because we want them to be having those conversations and supporting and helping them. We know we can train people, we can give them information, we can coach them, but it's the putting it into practice that makes the difference. And when we're not, we're not with them. Um, yeah. Obviously, even more so at the moment because yeah. we're, we're still uh, in, in lockdown, as it were. But um, even when we're not in the companies every day, uh, that's the bit I probably miss as well. Being a recruiter myself and a manager and developing those people through when you're there every day and seeing that development is fantastic. So it's nice when we get to go back and we can see uh, and work with them over a period of time. But otherwise, yeah, that's that's my biggest frustration. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, okay, right. It's a, a bit of a from, from. I think we've kind of touched on this, but what is it about what you do that kind of what what makes you proud to do what you do? Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously that that development and seeing people mm. develop people growing their businesses, being successful in their businesses, win, winning awards. And, you know, you had something to do with that. Uh, mm. there was a, whether it was the spark of getting them to apply for the award, I've had that with companies and they've ended up sort of the top of the Sunday Times best companies wow. to work for list over a period of time where the initial conversation is now, we don't do that type of stuff here. <laughs> I mean, they never applied for an award <laughs> in their life. No one knew who they were. All of a sudden, that makes a huge difference to their business. They're winning these. And, of course, then attraction-wise, people want to come and work for you. If you've got that proof of, yeah, we are as brilliant as we say we are, um, Mm -hmm. then then that's critical, isn't it? So I think it's whether it's a company or an individual, that's what gives gives me that, that sense of achievement of people actually moving forwards, developing, getting better, growing and and doing what they want to do. Because sometimes it's not about 
the growth. It's actually about leaving the company. So I get mm-hmm. to work with a lot of directors where they're saying, I don't want to work in the business anymore. just want to work on it and then out of it and let someone yeah. else do it. Um, and that's brilliant because you know you've changed that person's life quite considerably at that point then if they're able to do that. I've had a few people that their goal was to, to, to travel the world and they've been yeah. able to do that because the company's in safe hands and they've been able to move on. Wow. I mean, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine that. I mean, it's uh, it must just be. I mean, I, I imagine there's a lot of investment from your side as well in each individual person that you work with. And when you do get that payoff, I, I guess it's just yeah, it's super rewarding. Um, okay, I'm gonna we're gonna kind of transition. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna talk a little bit about personal development in itself, because I think you know ultimately um, there'll be a lot of people watching this um, that will be seeing what they can do themselves to take that next step. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting when to ask you when people do reach out to you, um, do they often come with the same sort of challenges that they're looking to overcome um, and similar improvements that they want to make? Or is there a kind of a, a lot of diversity? Well, I have to say there's quite a lot of diversity because we've got over 70 courses now in the <laughs> recruiting gym. <laughs> so we are trying, we are sort of the home of recruitment learning. That that's one of our strap lines. And therefore, if anyone needs anything, they should be able to come to us. But there, but there are um a lot of similarities in the starting point, let's say, as mm-hmm. people go through, they, of course, then need very different things. Um, so we get people come to us when they're just starting in recruitment. We have a 360 program that runs for a year. They get, what was it, eight now, eight webinars a week where they're with coaches that they can ask questions, get information from. So they've got online learning, but powered by humans. And therefore, we're there to support and to help and to move them through because, it's a tough job being a mm. recruiter. And if you're if you're trying to learn it for yourself, if you're at home uh, at the moment, that that's not not easy at all, is it? But we're gonna get a lot of people join the industry over the, over the next six to nine months. And therefore it's gonna be important that they get that support and development that they need. So that's sort of the starting point. Get a lot of um, managers and directors saying, please help. Yeah. how can I uh, get, yeah, give them all this knowledge because it's like 10 jobs in one and, and mm. they don't have the time to do that so that that's sort of the key thing new starters getting them successful quickly through their first year we've then got those people that are experienced that are good uh, recruiters of course they get promoted to team leader to manager it's a totally different job mm. and a lot of them are billing managers, so they know the recruitment bit and they're good and they can be a role model in that and they can move forwards. But what's critical is that they don't necessarily know how to break that down as to what they're doing and how they do it to help someone else. They can learn by osmosis, they can learn by watching and uh, taking the bits for themselves. But being a manager and a leader, yeah, there's a lot to that. So that's sort of the next program that's, a, again, a year-long program helping people get through um, and learn and develop and, and put it all into practice as they're going through as well with their teams. So that's that's probably the second big amount of people that we get, um, those billing managers and how can we develop them as leaders and managers. And then it's the directors. Where are they going to go to for support and mm. help? So. 
that's where we first met, wasn't it? We're working with the, yeah. the senior management team on their three-year strategy or at the moment, pretty much most of them, if they're a small company, we're working on a one-year strategy because three yep. years, who knows? <laughs> well, particularly given the last 18 months. Exactly. We could put a hell of a lot of work into years two and three and uh, yeah, it's never going to come off. So very detailed one year strategy moving forwards. Um, and, and that's critical to then give those managers and those billing managers information on what they're meant to be doing, what they're trying to achieve as a company, and then passing that down to the consultant because they're doing it day to day. And it's what they do that will impact whether they achieve what they want to achieve in a year, two years, three years time. And it's those links that don't always happen. So that's what we, we love to do. Work with the directors on their strategy, develop the managers and the billing managers to be able to achieve those objectives and actually um, put, put into practice what the company wants to achieve. And then of course, support and train the consultants so that they're actually able to do that. So they all link together and a lot of time that gets missed yeah. Um, where the consultants are doing stuff and they get trained on doing stuff, but it has no reflection on where the company's meant to be going. So they could be doing something that takes them off this way and actually the company wanted them to go that way. No one knew. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that's our job as, as part of the, the consultancy and the coaching side. Make sure everything links together, everyone knows where they're going and that they're achieving what they need to achieve. Yeah, no, that's great. That's, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, it's um, part of, running a successful business of any type uh when you have you know when it's just more than yourself even when it is just yourself there's a lot to be learned and and gained from from speaking to somebody like yourself but when you do have all of these interactions with different people of different seniorities um it's important to make sure that 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 group of people are unified and moving in the same direction and that there is that link um, how do you do it? I mean, what, what's, how does the process work? If somebody kind of said, hi, Angela, uh, I'd like to have you come in and help us as a business. Um, and you've got those, those kind of, those three tiers you've got, you know, you've got your, your people who you're trying to get up and running. You've got those billing managers and then you've got your directors. How, how do you start that journey? And how does the journey look? Yeah. So it's the premise of start with the end in mind. So we start mm. with the directors and look at, okay, where do you want your company to go? What do you want it to be? How do you want it to be perceived? So that that vision, the mission statement, the values within the business, and then the objectives. So you've got the soft stuff and the, and the hard stuff, as it were, in there, and those technicalities to really scope out what's this business going to look like in a year? And if we weren't in a pandemic in two and three years time. So having that knowledge and, and challenging that as well, because a lot of the time they'll come out with things and you will then start referencing them against each other. And well, you want this many staff billing this much a year, but that doesn't actually give you your overall turnover that you were hoping for in the first place. So we've got, we've got to link all of these things. So that's, yeah. that's our starting point. Where do you want to be? We can then bring it down, bring it back break down the objectives, get very specific. Um, so that yearly one into quarters, into months. So we can see on a monthly basis, are we on track, are we not? And it's those objectives that that management team then takes on board. So they've got very specific objectives around a client development strategy, around a candidate development strategy to make sure they can supply. 
and then the people plan. So the people plan I love. There's, there's probably about 25 elements to it, of which the attraction and retention of the staff is key. Because it's all good having all these objectives, you want to do this, but if you can't keep your staff and you're constantly turning over, never going to happen. Uh, yep. So yep. getting good people in, keeping them, keeping them engaged, developing them, uh, making sure they've got a career plan and a career path, a good onboarding strategy. I've just um, released a, an, on, my, an online course for onboarding people where all the documents are written, all the briefings are written, the schedules written out for the first six months, minimum standards are in there, what they should be achieving, all the assessments, about 25 assessments in there as well. They can just download it all. So that's going well because people are like, again, the, I'm, I'm bringing on new people. Our business is, is building. We've got lots of jobs at the moment, but we need consultants to be able to find those candidates and, and to fill the positions. So that's critical then to make sure that from the end plan right down to the daily, what's that consultant or a new consultant company going to be doing and learning and developing and having those standards to make sure that things actually happen. So it's not quick and easy, mm. I'd say. Usually takes um, three to six months with a company. So getting the plan together actually only takes probably two to four hours. They know right. where they want to go and do and getting it all written down and set out in an orbit. So I'm loving the, the hey. uh, title of this because that's that's the uh, title of what I use for the, the strategy plan. Having that set out, yeah, you can you can do that in half a day with the, with the directors as long as they've got a rough idea of where they're going and what they're doing. It's then well, what's missing from the business, and when we start going through that list of all the things that are missing, we then know how long it's going to take. And some are really good, and like within two months, got it all done. That's great because they have yeah. most of it. Others can take six months to get it all into place. But that company, six months later, is a very different entity. Everyone's helped towards a plan. Everyone's developed the vision. So everyone in the company is actually part of it. It's not just the directors. So they get their overall say-so, but actually everyone gets an input into where this business is going and what it's like and what the culture is going to be like and the values. Um, and I think that's critical as well for everyone to understand it because a lot of the time it comes down from on high and people go, okay, <laughs> they've got no idea where it came from or what it's for and how it's going to relate to their day-to-day -day jobs. So all of that is planned in as well. And they do quarterly updates, letting people know that we're on track, we're not on track, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. Everyone work together again in workshops to uh, develop those. So, yeah, I, I love that when I can see, when I can sort of finally let them go, maybe maybe six months later uh, with the directors, the plan's going, they're doing the feedbacks, they're updating and they're on track and they've brought in a load of old clients that they'd forgotten about because that's one of the starting points as well let's start with some easy stuff go and get, get your old clients that used you before and they're amazed at how many they haven't used them over the last five years or so and they've sort of lost track of them they're like well wait a minute and then they start making contact and they go oh yeah we're here we'll yeah honestly i mean i i, I just um it, it, there was one thing you just said which which just really did kind of i think comes to it's kind of almost the crux of it all and the and it, it's that communication about why because um you know historically in previous lives i've 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 worked um for businesses where they clearly had a plan but the the objectives of the plan 
And what is going to be done has been communicated. Mm. And, oh, we're doing it this way now. And that's as far as it ever got. And there was never the why. And I think the why makes a massive difference because when you have the why, all of a sudden it you, you understand and, and actually you're able to do what you're asked to a higher level because yeah. you understand the purpose of it, you know? Um, and that's really critical for, for a lot of people. In, in my age group, we would just do what you're told, get on with it and it'll be fine. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> it doesn't work nowadays. You're right. Pe- people need to know, yeah, why, why am I doing this? What's the purpose? What's the end result? What am I, what am I going to get from it? What's the company going to get from mm. it? Um, and, and all of those elements in there. So establishing that vision to start with, having everyone part of it, they've already, they can already see the why because they were part of it. They knew what, where they're going and why they're doing it. No, that's great. Um, I'm, you touched on this earlier as well about, how long it takes people to get from where they are to where they want to be. Now, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How long does it take people to reach their potential? <laughs> well, I mean, it'd be lovely to say that we will reach our potential, but I don't think we do as human beings. There's always more. There's always yes. an element. So I know that's, that's a, yeah, how long is a piece of strength to, with regards to being a recruiter, though, if we're talking in that world, for me, it yes. always took three months to understand the job because of all the different elements to it. That doesn't mean it's all working for you. It's probably six months where it all starts clicking and it starts making sense and things that you're doing. You can see what you do well and how that impacts, but you can also see where you've done something wrong and the impact of that as well. So those those uh, deal breakers coming through, unfortunately, and people not taking jobs or not getting offers because of potentially things that you've done. So that the logic is there at six months and the understanding probably takes another six months to, to really hone it. So it's one of the few jobs that it can be six to 12 months before you really got it down. Mm. Um, and the problem at that point is then you become a victim of your own success because you're good at bringing in jobs. You're good at filling them. You're good at the candidates. But of course, you've got your old clients now coming back to you, plus these new ones that you're getting as well. So you've really got to manage that stage because every year you can become over, overwhelmed and, mm. and overloaded and you start taking shortcuts to try and get things done. And of course, sure. it all starts going wrong. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then you think, yeah. Oh, wait a minute, I can't do this job. And there's there's a little bit of a crisis of faith at that point. It's like your self-belief goes and you end up in a big dive bomb. I see it so many times, sort of around 15 to 18 months, um, recruiters suddenly take a dip. And it's like, you you got this. You were really good at it. Yeah. And then it becomes a bit overwhelming and it's too much. So you've really got to manage who you're working with, why you're working with them and uh Obviously, the other opportunities, hopefully, could be given to the people that are coming up in after you um, yeah. and you work with the good stuff and to get from there. Apologies if you can hear my pugs. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I could. I'll get a tiny thing. They're better. You know, it's I think we're even because you, you've got the pugs. I, I've got we've, we've got the there's, there's always a chance that there'll be a screaming baby. So this, these are the joys of working from home, Angela. You know, it, it, it keeps everything fresh and exciting. <laughs> um, um, talking about people um, in leadership roles. Um, now, I know that you, when you work with people, you kind of have a, 
you take people on a bit of a journey where they kind of look at themselves and maybe look to understand themselves a little bit more. In your opinion, who make who makes the best leaders and, and what sort of traits personality wise would they have? Okay, yeah, an interesting question because wouldn't it be lovely if we could just say, right, leaders need this, 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 and this, and they'll be brilliant. <laughs> Do it from it there. So, um, from a recruitment point of view, and I can only go from my experience. So this yeah. isn't necessarily a definitive, this is what you need, but this is where I see works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, it's a bit of selflessness. My, my view when I became a leader, I said to my team, my aim is to make myself redundant. I want you to be capable and to be able to do what you do without my leadership. Um, and, and I would say to them a lot, I want you to be better than I was. So developing them and giving them the um, opportunities and empowering them really to develop. So you've got to be a bit selfless because if it's all about you, it's not going to work because <laughs> you're going to be taking the praise all the time, all the opportunities. You're not going to let them shine so much. And I think that's um, one, one of the key things. I see that with great leaders. Um, they've got to have charisma. They've, they've got to have this um, visionary um, a sense to be able to take people with them. And I guess that's then the difference between leadership and management, isn't it? The leader people want to follow. They can see where they're going. They, they, they've got that type of personality that people are drawn to. And of course, that could be positive and negative. We've seen it where, where people will follow leaders because they've got this great spiel. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, the substance behind it, naming no names, <laughs> doesn't make for a great management um, yeah. of having those two being able to get things done to, to grow people to develop them so that they're capable of doing that job even if you weren't there and that was my sense of it the first year I went on holiday I came back and there was a couple of disasters that I had to deal with pretty quickly but the second year I went on holiday it came back and they and everything had carried on they all did what they were meant to do the figures were all there that there was meant to be happening and it was though I didn't need to be there. So I knew at that point, it was like, yeah, I've, I've done my job. The fact that I didn't have to be here to be able to do that. So I think visionary, selflessness, uh, making sure that it's about the team. We, we, we did a, um, uh, a review last week on Wolfpack by Abby Wambach. I don't know if you're aware of this following on the football theme. We do a daily workout every morning, nine o'clock, that everyone has access to, actually. So you, you can find us on Crowdcast and get access to that. And hers was about her Wolfpack, and it was about eight new rules. So tearing up the old rules, starting the new rules. Now, Abby Wambach scored 184 international goals for for the US. Uh, She was the highest scoring person. I mean, Messi's only scored 77. So when you look (laughs) at it in that reflection, this one was amazing. So two Olympic gold medals, World Cups. Yeah, she's taken her there. So that that sense of um, bringing people together and it was everyone everyone can lead from wherever you are um, and therefore team was critical so I think those leaders and managers that are willing to let the team work together and support each other and have different skill sets so you've not got a load of clones 
Mm. That doesn't work great. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Belbin theory, but that's around sort of nine different elements within a team. And right. therefore, you don't have to have nine people. You could have two or three, four people, and they could have those different elements as part of their skill set. And it, But you need all of it. So you need different people, you need different personalities, you need different skill sets to be able to make a great team. And it's the, that leader bringing those people together and working together because they're going to be different. So it's not going to be easy. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be some issues of them actually working together personality wise. But ability and performance means that they can do a really great job. And once they start appreciating what everyone else brings to the team and the leader and the manager controls that, that's where you get that winning team. And that's sort of where we've got to with England. We've got lots of different oh, types of people. I was thinking. They've all got it, haven't they? Because we were having this discussion last night. We're a bit of a football family. My sister's very much into it because her son plays for Spurs. He's on loan at Orlando at the moment. So he's just had his sort of Premier League four goals, uh, four games at a high level. Um, <laughs> so we were really getting into the nitty gritty. And you look at that team and they're all very capable, but they all support each other you haven't got anyone that's that's hogging the limelight as it were or doing it and the discussions that um the commentators will have sort of get Gary Lineker and Ferdinand Rio Ferdinand was very honest saying when we were playing there was still that tribe element of Arsenal Man United Spurs whoever it was yeah. those people would stick together so if you had three three from Man United and four from Arsenal in the England team. They would sit on different tables. They would keep themselves separate. They were still very much us and them. Of course, that doesn't work in a team. So uh, that's where Gareth Southgate has broken, sort of changed the rules, as it were. Yeah. And done it and brought them all together as that cohesive team. And, and that's what a good manager needs to do. Um, and, and lead them forward with the vision that they can all buy into because they've been part of it. So... Yeah. Next year. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you, I mean, Gareth Southgate is a really fascinating example because if, if you asked probably, you know, if you asked a hundred people 10 years ago um, about whether Gareth Southgate would be a fantastic leader for England, you'd kind of go, well, he's a bit nothing. He's a bit wetly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, but he, he has shown a new or a, a different way of doing things. And, and I think football traditionally is probably, is probably quite a, like a, a, a small C conservative environment where things are a little bit kind of traditional um, yeah. and being a leader probably means who shouts the loudest. And what's been really one, one of the best things, even though, we lost in the final was seeing that team come together and 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 actually because of that i think generally speaking as a as a country we we felt a lot more comfortable unifying behind them yeah. so there is this sort of um uh, you know it, it is almost that kind of analog for a business in success um where you have your leader you have your kind of the players almost as a management team. And then we are all these kind of these consultants who are buying into that vision. I don't know. Maybe that works. Maybe it <laughs> Definitely. Doesn't. I mean, it's, it's how, it's, no, it's how the rugby team won the Rugby World Cup. They they yeah. brought in a specialist, which is is part of the, the Belbin theory that you, you have a specialist that comes in uh, when needed. 
Um, and that was Humphrey Waters. And he created the winning team mentality from that. We do it in our, in our leadership program because those elements of actually bringing that team together to be a high performing team. Yeah, it's not easy, but actually there are there are people that have done it before. There are um, processes and theories that you can actually implement and put into recruitment. And that's it wins. I mean, it's a winning team mentality. So yeah. getting your team to do that with you is fantastic. And I can see a lot of the similar threads with, with this football team as with that rugby team um, and what they did. I, I got to hear Clive Woodward speak about it. Um, if ever you get the chance, do yeah. listen to him. Um, go and see one of his speeches. He was probably one of the best speakers I've ever seen. And really? he was referencing all the things that he did. And it was breaking up the rule books there. I mean, this is this is sort of 2003 isn't it and yeah they didn't have they weren't computer orientated they were rugby players but even things like giving them laptops to do research and to go and look at things they were like what the hell no i'm meant to be on the pitch yeah. so it changed the way that he got them thinking about things and assessing things um and and the, yeah it that's how it all came about so i'm looking forward i am i'm, I'm getting more and more positive as the board is going on absolutely it's shining through um (laughs) if we you know talking about these kind of the teams the people who you know those those people you'd be working with at the very very start of their their journey maybe it's somebody who's just they've been through their interview process day one recruitment consultant in at the deep end (laughs) Is, is there, um, are there particular traits that would make a good recruiter, do you think? Or, or again, is it something where it is, it's kind of for the management to have a variety? Well, as I say, you, you need different personalities to make, it, make a good team and bring different skill sets, but mm. attributes, definitely. And this was always a thing. I didn't recruit recruiters for my team. Um, I had 0% turnover in the two and a half years that I was leading a team of um, 11. And we'd bring them in, develop them up. I, I looked for different attributes. I was happy to train and development in recruitment, but then that was my thing. So that sort of makes sense anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me... I was, I was looking for people that had had sales experience in some way, shape or form, because actually sales is a, is a tough game. You've got to be able to deal with the rejection. You've got to be confident enough to pick up the phone and speak to people. So if that's going to be a big hurdle, that's a hard one to overcome to start with. So if you've got people with that experience in, the, in their background, they know what they're expecting. They know what they're going to get. That's fine. We can, we can work with that and we can deal with that and train them on what they're going to come up against. Um People that were inquisitive. So if they did anything in their background that meant that they, you know, go down those rabbit holes and follow things through and want to find out something else and do some research, they make great recruiters because it's those people that will dig a dig a dig and find out information. And that's not just on finding candidates and sourcing candidates or finding clients and what's going on there. It's also um, the questioning and mm. not accepting the first answer <laughs> that's from your client <laughs> or your candidate the, the detail the really great recruiters are good at probing questions at following up at picking up on a signal it might not be what someone said but it's the way that they said it and then following that through that's when you identify where there's going to be issues problems worries concerns from either side which could then cause the deal to break down and therefore 
if you're the one that's questioning and really digging to make sure that you've got those answers, you're then prepared. And, and you can either go ahead with that knowledge, knowing that this might not work, or you can make that decision to walk away. Um, and you've got to have information to be able to do that and to do it confidently. So it's that that's going to make, make the difference um, between you, you being a busy fool and working on loads of stuff that's never going to happen or actually getting really smart um, mm. and using your time wisely and gathering that information. So inquisitiveness, definitely. Um, perseverance, <laughs> That's that was a critical competency. I was involved in... Um, some interviews many many years ago to identify the competencies of a manager I was but all my team were involved in uh, the competencies of a recruiter as well I'll give you the link to that because I, I broke them all down there's 13 um, key competencies and perseverance is the last one so it's all well and good if you're good at everything else but if you have, can't stick with it if you're not going to keep going when times get tough it's not going to happen um, so whether that's picking up a new client T.A. Shake, big, um, How to Be a Big Biller, suggests that it takes six contacts with a new customer before they're likely to give you an opportunity. Well, most people have given up by, by number three uh, or four. Mm. No one, yeah, it's like 6% that will get through to number six. So straight away, that perseverance, dedication, sticking with it, dealing with the tough times, that's what's going to make a great recruiter. So if you, if you give up easily... It's not this job's not for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it really isn't. You've got to, you've got to be able to stick it out. Um, that's 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 key for me. And we've talked about it already. Actually, positive mindset, growth mindset. I can rather than I can't because yeah. there are going to be lots of challenges. And we're we're people that identify solutions for clients, for candidates, for ourselves. So you've got to have that type of mindset. How are we going to do this? Okay, here's the plan. How are we going to do it? How are we going to achieve all of this? And if you if you haven't got potentially that lateral thinking or growth mindset or opportunities that open up to you because you've created them, mm. uh, it's back to that. I'm not lucky. Yeah, you create your own luck. Uh, Absolutely. Put out there doing that. Um, and therefore, yeah, for me, it's those people that I was looking for when I was interviewing. And, and many went on to set up their own companies. I know one lady just sold hers for many millions who was uh, my wow. office consultant. Um, and I'm in contact with, with most of them still. So it's lovely to see as, as time's gone on, you could see these people, they, they were very capable and uh, they just grew and grew, which is, is what you want, isn't it? So that was a very short conversation that I had with Angela and I don't know about you, but there was a lot to take from that. You might need to listen to it a few times to extract all of the value. Of course, you can find Angela uh, on LinkedIn and you can find the recruiting gym by just searching on Google. So please make sure you do that. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope it's been as valuable for you as it has been for me hearing from Angela and understanding and learning a little bit from her. If you want to find out a little bit more and you want to continue on this journey, then make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast. Of course, if you really enjoy it, then leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it. Share it with your colleagues share it with your friends, share it with people who you feel could better themselves too, not in a 
patronizing way, but everybody, everybody is striving to fulfill their potential. And you are, certainly, because that's why you're here. So thank you again. Thank you for listening. We've got some amazing stuff in the pipeline. I cannot wait to share it with you. We're going to be talking to a marketing expert over the coming weeks about how to make the most of what you do on LinkedIn and others. We're going to be talking to somebody who works for a very specific job board that has cornered a niche in today's market. I'll leave it a bit mysterious and I'll I'll let that be a surprise for you, but you don't want to miss it. We'll also be catching up with some of our in-house experts about things like entrepreneurialism, what sectors are booming, what's finding things tough, digging deep, particularly into the energy sector. That's something we're going to be focusing on over the next couple of weeks. It's a big thing in the news, as I'm sure you've been unable to avoid. So make sure you're subscribed and I will see you again next time.